Book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28, Matthew 28, and of course we are in the Great Commission again today, and uh, Matthew chapter 28, we'll read verses 19 and 20, and then once we get into the message, we'll be in the book of Acts, several passages in the book of Acts this morning, and we continue in our series on the Great Commission. I want to say this is number 24 uh, this morning, and uh, you may, I, I believe this series has been a great help to us a good reminder to us uh, what it, what is the most important thing? What is the purpose of the church? I'm thankful for fellowship. I enjoy fellowshipping uh, with my church family. I enjoy that. That's a great aspect of uh, church membership and being a part of a church. Uh, but we must always stay focused through the years, through the decades, through the centuries. Uh, the church, it is capable of getting off course. And we've got to constantly be getting back to the Bible and making sure that we are uh, focused on what the Lord would have us to do and certainly reaching people with the gospel, helping others grow uh, is uh, that aspect. Last Sunday, I preached on the conversion of the Great Commission. I told you that today I would preach on the baptism of the Great Commission, and next Sunday morning I'll preach on the discipleship of the Great Commission. And so this morning I'm going to preach on the baptism of the Great Commission, uh, that second part of the Great Commission. At this point we've seen so many different aspects of the Great Commission. Tonight I'm planning on preaching on the organization of the Great Commission. Uh, next Sunday morning, as I mentioned, the discipleship of the Great Commission. Next Sunday night, I'm planning on preaching on the uh, follow-through of the Great Commission. And then one, two, three weeks from, uh, three Sundays from the day, I'm planning on being the last Sunday in the Great Commission. And I'll preach that morning on the motivation of the Great Commission and follow the last message, the harvest of the Great Commission. And so um, now that you know what I'm preaching on, you don't have to be here for those next few weeks, but uh, uh, no, we look forward to seeing all that the Lord has. Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Unless today is your first Sunday or one of your first Sundays with us, we've looked at this passage several times and we have an understanding of what's taking place here. After Christ has been resurrected, He's giving that commission to the church before He ascends to heaven. And this morning, as I've already mentioned, we see, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Uh, there are a lot of misconceptions today of what baptism is, the role baptism plays. Baptism cannot be maximized above conversion. It becomes false doctrine. But it does not need to be minimized to where it's nothing at all uh, because Jesus did command uh, the church to baptize uh, those who have been converted. And so today, uh, we'll look at a couple of aspects of baptism, be reminded of what God says about baptism, the Bible teaches about baptism, the importance of it, the role of it. And I'll also give a warning in there of not getting the Great Commission out of order, not putting a greater emphasis on uh, what comes after salvation and making it part of salvation. So we look at the baptism of the Great Commission today. Father, I pray that you would use the message today uh, to help us as your church realize the importance of the command that's been given. 
Father, I pray that if there's one unsaved this morning, they'd realize their need of salvation. Maybe they're dependent on a baptism somewhere. May they be reminded today that it's not a baptism that will save them, but it's receiving the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, maybe there's new converts who've yet to be scripturally baptized. May today they realize the importance of it. May they take that next step in their life. Father, may the church may be reminded of what what is uh, the task set before us. May we uh, participate in your commission. May your will be done today, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we find our passage of Scripture today, it has been a short time since Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Think with me just for a moment the mindset, if you will, of the people who had gathered there to hear the Lord that day. We know the disciples were there, but as I've mentioned before, I believe there were more than just those 11 men there that day, and I believe it was the church that Christ had called out, and He's given instructions before He ascends back to heaven. It had been just a short time since His death, His burial, His resurrection. It must have been a surreal moment as the one that had been crucified now gave instructions to His called out assembly. The thought of hearing the Son of God speak had to be just just an amazing thing. To see Him had to be such an amazing thing. To hear Him speak and to see Him with your own eyes, having realized that He had been crucified a short time before, realizing that He had died, He had given His life, and he has now come forth victorious over death. You put all of that together, and what a surreal moment that must have been. He gives those instructions to his called-out assembly. What were these instructions? These instructions we refer to as the Great Commission. It was to teach all nations. What were they to teach all nations? Of his death, his burial, his resurrection. And that is the only way of salvation. They were to win the lost They were to produce converts, as we talked about last week. They were to, as we see, the next thing, they were to baptize them. Uh, This is for them to confess and identify with Christ by identifying with Him through baptism in the church. He then gives the third part of this commission is to disciple them, to teach them all things. Part one of the three-part commission is the salvation of the sinner. Part two and three have nothing to do with the conversion, but the growth of the new convert. Without the conversion, baptism and discipleship are nothing but religious exercises. Did you hear what I said? Without the conversion, baptism and discipleship are nothing but religious exercises. When Nicodemus came to Jesus and required, inquired of salvation, Jesus did not say, you must be baptized. He said, you must be born again. The moment the thief on the cross believed and received Christ as his payment, he received salvation and the promise from Jesus that today thou shalt be with me in paradise. That goes against the false doctrine of some churches. According to the doctrine of many so-called churches today, uh, we should believe them and not Jesus who said, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. It is a reminder that all faith on behalf of the individual is what matters for salvation. 
If you're saved today, it's not because you got baptized. If you're saved today, it's not because you went through a discipleship class. If you're saved today, it's not because you have a hashtag on your social media or a bumper sticker or a t-shirt. You are saved today because you received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Picture with me the Jew in this day who believed on Christ and was converted. Upon his salvation, upon his realization that the law cannot save me. Keeping certain uh, traditions cannot save me. All must be put on just one named Jesus, his death, his burial, his resurrection. Picture with me the Jew who had always followed the law, now sees a resurrected Christ, or now hears of a resurrected Christ. He puts all of his belief, all of his faith, He turns from his belief in the law and and puts his faith and trust in Christ. He is a new creature. He is a convert, as we talked about last week. Upon his salvation, he is willing to get baptized. Why would he be willing to get baptized? Not for salvation, but this is a public declaration that he has chosen Christ's death, burial, and resurrection as his payment for sins. His family now knows he is a follower of Christ. Not in a terminology you hear of today, but he is a convert of Christ. He is believing in Christ for his salvation. That public declaration, that picture, that death, burial, and resurrection, now his family knows that he is a believer in Christ. His, the community now knows he is leaving the fellowship of the temple. He is leaving the tradition of generations for the fellowship of the New Testament church. I submit to you the example of Saul the Pharisee. Saul the Pharisee who would persecute and, and kill Christians. And how would he know they're a Christian? They're not meeting with the Jew. They are meeting separated, called out. How would he know who to target? He would know who was baptized. Who was willing to say, I have believed on Christ. Therefore, I want all men to know that I have chosen Christ for my salvation. Saul, the persecutor, as we know, met Jesus on that road to Damascus and was saved and converted. This hero became the hated. If you search the scripture well, we don't have time to turn there this morning, but you find that man Ananias going to him, and God sent him to help this new convert get on his way. You find very clearly in the scripture, the first thing that he did was he was baptized. This was letting all the other Pharisees know that I'm not following the law anymore. I'm not depending on my own works anymore. But the one named Jesus who lived a sinless life, the one named Jesus who was wrongfully nailed to that cross, the one named Jesus who declared it is finished and three days later came victoriously out of the tomb, that is who Paul is now identified with. In this day, the Gentile hears the gospel and repents of their unbelief and receives Christ. This convert of Christ is now baptized, and now all know he no longer is a worshiper of gods, 
but is now a worshiper of Jesus Christ. At Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2, the 3,000 saved, all were baptized. This was not only obedience to Christ's commission, but a public declaration of those who trusted Christ. Christ's crucifixion was still on the minds of the people gathered that day, was in fact part of the message preached that day. Those who believed that day in a public show with the shadow of the Roman Empire on them identified with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. It was always part of the plan of our God to send His Son to die on the cross for our sins. Aren't you thankful for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son? It was His plan. Christ fulfilled the purpose for which He came. And it was God's plan that that the message would go out, and that's what Christ commissioned the church to do. But upon salvation, God wants that convert to let everybody know that I belong to Christ. And friend, quite frankly, if I can get a little ahead of myself, we need Christians today who are not ashamed to let the world know I'm just a passing through. I'm a pilgrim here. My home is on the other side. I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. No, I'm not religious, as the world would say. I'm a child of God. I serve the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and I want all the world to know What these individuals were doing when they were baptized is they were putting themselves in a situation to be pushed out of society, out of the mainstream. Why? Because they were willing to identify with the death, the burial, and the resurrection. It is important for us to be identified with the one who died for us. It is important to our God that we are willing to be identified with the one who died for us. After all, God put on flesh to be identified with us. God took upon himself all of man's sins as he was nailed to that cross. Uh, Baptism is a picture. Baptism says to everyone watching, there's the death, the burial, the resurrection. They are a believer in what Christ did. Uh, As we mentioned at Pentecost, they were willing uh, to to put a public show which identified with the death, the burial, and resurrection of Christ. Listen very carefully in today's cults, and especially in today's contemporary emergent church, more emphasis is placed on part two and part three of the Great Commission than on part one. I mentioned this last week. It's important that I mention it again because of the danger of what I'm talking about. In these churches, very little emphasis is placed on the gospel. And the program is centered on an emotional experience. After a flesh-appealing, Hollywood-emulating worship, a man-centered lesson is given and an appeal to affirm your faith in Christ is given. No conviction no conversion. If there's no Holy Spirit conviction, there's no conversion. If there's no realization that I'm a sinner 
And because of my sins, I deserve to go to a devil's hell and pay for all of eternity. And the only hope I have is the Lord Jesus Christ. If there's no conviction, there's no conversion. A box on a card is checked. I choose my relationship with Christ. And nobody knows what that really means. And they are ushered to a baptismal pool. Sadly, this individual, while he leaves with a cool t-shirt that says, I have decided, or a cool t-shirt that says, a disciple of Christ, is no different spiritually than when he came, when he, when he came due to wrong emphasis on the Great Commission. Baptism is in the Bible. Baptism is part of the Great Commission. Where we go wrong is where we place a greater emphasis on that which comes after salvation than salvation itself. We must be converted. This is why this kind of false teaching is so dangerous because unlike the Catholics and others who sprinkle, these false churches baptize by immersion but with no conversion. Likewise, churches that are aggressive in their soul winning and give the gospel message can be irresponsible in their encouragement of the new convert to publicly confess Christ and publicly identify with him and his church. Yes, it is true. You can't be converted without baptism. You can only be converted without baptism. But you cannot fulfill the Great Commission without baptism. We must take the gospel to the world, to our community, to our friends and neighbors, but we must not stop there. We must baptize those who are converted as Christ has commanded. We must not be afraid to tell the new convert while teaching them that baptism is not part of salvation, but a picture of it, the next step of their growth in Christ. One reason why I believe false teaching and false doctrine has come in and taken such a hold and has magnified the baptism and discipleship above the conversion is because in many cases we have not been, we have not been diligent in teaching and, and encouraging that next step of growth. I rejoice in everyone who trusts Christ as their Savior. That's the most important thing, like the thief on the cross, to know that you're on your way to heaven. Friend, if you're here this morning and you've never got that settled, get it settled today. I tell you this morning, as that Bible is real, heaven is a real place, but so is hell. And man is going to spend eternity in one or the other place. And friend, it is only through Christ can you know that your sins have been forgiven. It is only through Christ can you know that you're one of the redeemed and on your way to heaven. But if we are going to reach this world, we've got to follow Christ's command. If we are going to reach this world, this world needs to know that every time somebody was lost and now they are saved, there needs to be a reminder of what that means. Let me give you just a few things this morning with the time I have remaining. Turn over to that book of Acts, Acts chapter number 2. I'm going to give us some basic reminders about baptism this morning. And I would say most of us here, if not the vast majority of us, have been saved and scripturally baptized. Perhaps you've been saved in recent days and I want to remind you why it's important that you get baptized. I also want to remind us as a church why it's important for us to fulfill the Great Commission uh, because it is something that Christ has commanded. Let me say statement number one this morning. Baptism did not occur until after Christ was received. Like you, 
I've encountered many people who when you ask them about their salvation, they immediately go to a baptism. Uh, sometimes they have been saved, but they refer to that baptism. But if you're referring to a baptism as your day of salvation, that is not salvation. And there's much confusion, and the devil is the author of confusion. And, and God has set it out very simply in Scripture. And I said, baptism did not occur until after Christ was received. Look at Acts chapter number 2 and verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word, what did they receive? Well, if you were to read the preceding verses, you would hear a very clear presentation of the gospel. You must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation. You, you, you crucified the Son of God. That's the message. Those that accepted that and said, that is fact. I believe that. My faith is in that. Those that received their word were converted. They became a child of God. They were saved. They received his word. Then they were baptized. In Acts chapter number 16, we have the story of the Philippian jailer. The uh, jailer who, after Paul and Silas were, 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 were freed from the earthquake, earthquake um, we find in, let's look at page, uh, uh, page chapter number 16, verse 30. And brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now, church membership's important, but he didn't say, what must I do to have church membership? What must I do to get baptized? He says, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. No reference to baptism. No reference to a discipleship course. Thou must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord unto all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized. He and all his straight way. After they had believed. After they had preached the word. Baptism did not incur until after Christ was received. God is an orderly God. And if, it was not ne- if baptism was necessary, Jesus would have specified that. Jesus would have said that. He did not say that. He said, win them, and upon their salvation, baptize them. They were going to choose a risen Savior or the religion of that day. And once they chose Christ, they were to be baptized, that picture of the death, the burial, and the resurrection, and that let everybody know. Think of the controversy. The, 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 the Romans and the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they had conspired together and they had put guards outside of the tomb because they knew what Christ had said. And they could, they could deny it with their mouth, but deep down inside they knew. And they put the guards there. Can you imagine how fast the word spread? It didn't just spread across Jerusalem. 
It spread across the region. It, it spread into different countries. This one named Jesus had been crucified and the tomb is empty. He came forth out of the tomb and he was witnessed by all of these individuals and it was documented and, and the word began to spread. And so these who heard on Pentecost and these who heard in this day, when they heard that got clear presentation of the gospel and they believed on Christ, what they, say, what they were saying is, I want everybody to know what you've heard about Jesus, I believe it. But they had to believe it before they were baptized. Statement number two. Baptism is a command of Christ administered by the church. I refer back to the Great Commission. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them. It's important for us to be reminded that this is a command. If you've been saved and not been baptized, it's a command. Now, it's a command given to the church. It's to be administered by the church. That's why it is important, I'll remind us all, how you, you can be saved and not part of a church. But you can't participate in the Great Commission if you're not part of His church. He's given the command of the Great Commission. Is there anything greater that man can do than participate in reaching the world with the gospel? I would say not. So if we're going to participate in that, guess what we've got to be a part of? We've got to be a part of His church. And by the way, the very definition of the church is I call that assembly who is, who's fulfilling what Christ has commanded, but I'll use that term church loosely. Not everybody is in the business of trying to reach the world with the gospel. So if I'm going to participate in the Great Commission, then I've got to participate in the church. Uh, you can have your house church, but you don't have the authority to baptize a convert. There's missions, movements. They don't have the authority to baptize a convert. Only the church does. Now, I'm not going to re-preach the message I preached on the institution of the Great Commission, but it's good for us to be reminded it, what Jesus is the founder of the church. Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. Jesus gave the commission to the church. I don't know why somebody who is saved wouldn't want to be part of the church. Is a command of Christ administered by the church. Now, I believe that Jesus commands, commands the church to preach the gospel. Commands the church to teach all nations. Commands the church to win the lost. I also believe he commands the church to baptize. So I think it's big public service announcement puts you on good warning. I've, I've been commanded to baptize you. So when you least expect it, I may drag you up to the baptistry. You say, well, that, that, that's against my will. No, the Lord has commanded it. You understand what I'm saying. It is something that certainly, as a, as a new Christian, we should want to do. I want to be identified with the one who died for me. But as a church, we've got to be reminded that it is a command of Christ. Number three, scriptural baptism is by immersion. Acts chapter number 8. I said number three, scriptural baptism is by immersion. Baptize means to dip or immerse. 
You say, well, that doesn't sound like the way I got baptized. Well, you didn't get baptized, did it? That doesn't sound like the way I was taught. Well, then you were taught wrong. The very name baptize means to dip or immerse. We look at Acts chapter number 8. What a wonderful story in Scripture. Beginning with verse number 27. And he arose and look at verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, reading Isaiah the prophet. And the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran further to him and heard him and the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb dumb before a shearer. So opened he not his mouth. And his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his, this, his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man. Then Philip opened his mouth and began the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, Here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. He did not get the Great Commission out of order. But notice... Several things about baptism here. Scriptural baptism is by immersion. One of the reasons why I'm, I'm preaching this, this series on the Great Commission, I took last year and I went through the Scripture and every verse that I could find that had anything to do with salvation, anything I had to do with, 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 with soul winning, anything that had to do with missions and reaching people. And I, and, and I did a study on all of those. I tied it all with the Great Commission. And, and the more I did that, the more I was reminded about what this Bible is all about. But the more I did that, I realized how far as a society and religion has gotten away from what Christ has actually said. And there are several things here that would remind us that the Ethiopian was looking for water deep enough to be immersed in. Look, look, at this, look at your scripture. And they went on their way. They came unto a certain water. And when he saw the certain water, he said, I can get baptized in that. What doth hinder me? He was looking for water deep enough to be immersed in. Even this Ethiopian knew. Why? There were 3,000 saved at Pentecost. They all got baptized. You think that sent a message? 3,000 times. The death, the burial, the resurrection. Death, burial, resurrection. 3,000 times man was watching somebody who said, I'm, I'm turning away from everything I believed in. I believe on Christ 3,000 times in that one, in that one setting. The church began to grow, and every time, every time there was a new convert, they were baptized. This Ethiopian came looking for the answer. 
And upon his belief and his salvation, as it was explained to him, he knew the first thing he needed to do was, I wanna, I'm out here in the desert, but Philip, I want you to know that I've believed. I'm supposed to get baptized. So he looked for a certain water. The Bible does not say it was the only water. It says he's looking for a certain water. See, you will not find anything but baptism by immersion in the Scriptures. Sprinkling was started by the Catholic Church hundreds of years later. Jesus was not sprinkled by John the Baptist. He wasn't sprinkled. So, friend, let me ask you, who are you going to believe? Well, I choose to believe Christ himself who is baptized. If I'm going to believe anybody, I'm going to believe the witnesses of Christ who baptize by immersion. Scriptural baptism is by immersion. When we purchased this property, this had been a Methodist church that had been closed down for years. And if you've come in the last couple of years, it hasn't always looked like this. Uh, There was a tiny little platform. There was no baptistry. There was no choir loft. And first time I walked in here, the, the platform was pushed way back here, and there was a little bowl. Because this is the Methodist church. And I made the comment, it's like, it's going to be hard fitting people in that. <laughs> Baptizing them. Because notice in verse 38, and he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they both went down into the water. You know, I've never seen a Catholic priest go down into the water. You know why? Because it's not scriptural baptism. You know why it's not scriptural baptism? There's no salvation in what they teach. Let me just help you in case there's somebody who's struggling with that, and that's the way you grew up or been taught. You know, if, if they don't have something as simple that's easily found in the Scriptures as baptism by immersion, what else have they got wrong? Let me tell you. Everything. I'll believe the witnesses above Constantine having a vision. God didn't say, go in the world, I'm going to give you visions. He said, go and be witnesses. And that's when Paul was a witness. And then Paul writes to Timothy, as faithful man, the faithful man. Let me tell you, Timothy, what I saw. And now Timothy goes and he believes and he says, let me tell you what Paul saw. Let me tell you the gospel. It is passed down from generation to generation to where we are now. It's not baptism into salvation. It's salvation by grace. Scriptural baptism is by immersion. Number four and lastly, confession and identification is necessary to judge faithfulness. Acts chapter 16. I'll repeat that in just a moment. Acts chapter 16. Turn back over to Acts 16. This is key. This is important. Confession and identification, baptism, is necessary to judge faithfulness. Acts chapter 16, look at verse 14. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God... Now, God writes of her that she worshipped him. That's pretty good authority that we can go on. 
So if God is accepting her worship, she's, she must be a believer. If God is accepting her worship, he knows she's sincere. Worship God heard us. Who did they hear? They heard the apostles. They heard Paul. Whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. God does. She's a believer. She's worshiping him. God accepts that worship. God doesn't accept the blasphemous worship. He's accepted from one of his children. Now, he begins to do a work as he did through the church, and she's going to hear the apostle Paul preach and teach the word of God. And God's going to do something in her heart. She's already a convert. But God's going to work in her heart and life to where she's going to want to do more for the cause of Christ. That she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. As Paul is speaking, she's paying close attention. And she's saying, i got to start doing that. i got to be a part of that. Now watch verse 15. And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. We know that God would use this lady named Lydia to be a help and a blessing to Paul in that early church. She did not approach Paul until after her and her house got baptized. So that's a big, that's a coincidence. That's a big coincidence. She's a believer. She's worshiping. She's hearing everything he's teaching. She comes to him and says, I want to be a help. I want to be a blessing. Come into my house. They were starting churches and houses. She wanted to be a blessing to Paul. And abide there, and she constrained us after she was baptized. You will not convince me that she did not know that she should get baptized. She got baptized. Maybe it's one of the things she attended to that Paul was teaching. But notice what she says after she got baptized. She besought us saying, if ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord. Now, she may have approached them and said, I would like for you, I'd like to be a help. I want, I want, I want to help this church. I want to, I want to help you in your efforts to win the loss. And she might have, this might not have been the first time. And perhaps Paul said, have you been baptized? Are you a believer? Well, get baptized. Or maybe she grew enough to know that before I could really be judged faithful, I must do everything that I know I've been commanded to do. And on the lips of those apostles, on the lips of that early church, was win them, baptize them, disciple them. Win them, baptize them, disciple them. Before she was willing to, she said, before you can judge me faithful, she got baptized. You know, confession, identification is necessary to judge faithfulness. She knew what she was supposed to do. That's why she did it. There's a lot of Christians, you know what you're supposed to do. Do it. Do it. Well, I should have done it a long time ago. Do it now. That confession, that identification, 
she in her mind, and rightfully so, could not aid the cause without first doing what it was that she was supposed to do. Sadly, there are a lot of Christians today that are not aiding the cause because they're not doing what they're supposed to do. If you've been saved and you haven't been scripturally baptized, you're supposed to be baptized. It's not because, it's not necessary for salvation, but if you're going to do what you need to do, how can, I just wish pastor would, would use me for more. Well, have, have you been scripturally baptized and are you part of God's church? How can a pastor, how can somebody come to you and have you do more for the cause if you're not willing to do that? It's confession and identification. You know, if you'll permit me to kind of wind down here with, 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 with a simple and silly, it's almost silly illustration. I mean, I know we live in the football world. And oh, you know, especially if your team's on top, you want everybody to know. That's why there's so much red in the audience today. You, you, you want everybody to know. This is who I'm identified with. And if you're a real fan, well, I, don't care if we don't win, I don't care if we don't win a game. I'm still a real fan. That's why you'll see some orange in that comes in the fall. In the words of a great mentor of mine. I'm going to preach this Bible whether you like it or not. <laughs> Why is it? Because you want to be identified. Will we have more joy in being identified with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? It's like, well, you know, we need to, we need to change the way we do church so people don't actually feel like they're going to church. What are we saying? That's why, there's, that's why there's, there's, no, there's no conversion there. Because it's always been part of God's plan. When you're converted, the world should know. There should be a difference. And we talked about that last week. There's a difference. You're a new creature. But that next part of the Great Commission, it, 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 it leaves us with two things. One, if once you're saved, the next thing you do in your growth, I want you to understand you're a new creature upon salvation. The Bible tells us that we're dead and we're made alive, quick and made alive at salvation. We're not dead in our sins anymore. You're a new creature. But now, as that new creature, God wants you to grow in the image of your Savior. And the first thing He wants a new child of God to do is get baptized. To give that picture, but to also declare and to identify with the institution that he gave the command and the authority to. So if you've been saved and you haven't been baptized, when I have the invitation in just a moment, that'll be very easy for you. The next thing is to follow the Lord in believers' baptism. Church, if we you're part of the church and you've been saved, obviously, if you're part of church and baptized, scripturally baptized, it's important for us to be reminded, yes, salvation is by grace, but we want new converts to grow. We want them to take that next step. 
And, and may we let the illustration, and maybe you've been baptized, maybe you're part of the church, but may we also use that illustration with Lydia. She did everything that she knew she was supposed to do before she could do more. I can't help but think with this many pe- people in the, in the service this morning, there's not somebody here. You have a desire to do more, perhaps, but you're not doing everything that you know you need to do or you're supposed to do. It makes no sense at all from a logical standpoint, much less a scriptural one, to say, let me do more when you're not even doing what you know you're supposed to do now. In church, in the midst of a society that's getting further and further away from God, it's more important that we come tighter and tighter and tighter to what the Bible says. In a day with all the hoopla of of, of let's push salvation aside and just the, the terminology of you choose Christ. There's got to be conviction there. The Spirit of God's got to be present. Baptism is not above the conversion. It comes after the conversion. Next week we'll talk about the discipleship. We'll talk about growing as a Christian. You cannot grow as a Christian if you're not one. Well, there's a lot of people, sincere people, who've been deceived into thinking they're saved. They've never been converted because of a baptism, because what somebody has told them, for know that you're saved. And if you're saved this morning, know that you've done everything you know you should do. But the cause of Christ is still the greatest cause in the world. It's the cause that we all should be willing to sacrifice everything for. But we must do everything we know to do in order to do more. So this morning, however the Lord has spoken to your heart, let's let's follow the directions that have been set for us. Church, let's stay busy fulfilling the Great Commission. Say, well, I want want to see somebody get baptized. Well, we've got to go out and win someone. We have to... Be faithful in giving the gospel, faithful in preaching the gospel. We've got to care enough to see that person grow in their faith. I'll, I'll, I'll close with this as a good reminder for us. Months ago, I took the box for the convert slips out. I remind us all, your convert is not my responsibility. It's your convert. It's who you led to Christ. You get them to the house of God. If you need help, I'll help you. But we have to take ownership of the commission that Christ has given. Pastor, I don't know that I can talk to somebody about that. You get them back to the house of God. There's plenty of people that can talk to them about that. But we've got to take ownership of the commission that God has given us. Let's be faithful to do so. Father, we pray this morning that you'd use your word.